0: Good morning, this has been a traumatic week, but I'd like to just take a second to move to something a little more lighthearted. I was talking with a friend a while ago, um, musing about what would be, we were talking about what would be an ideal work situation, a job. And of course we wanted it to be meaningful and purposeful and fulfilling, uh, helping our, you know, fulfill us and helping other people. But we came to this conclusion. A three-day work week from Tuesday to Thursday, uh, four-day weekends, um, hours from 10 to 2 with an hour lunch, (laughs) uh, one-month paid vacation along with holidays, sick days, a few personal days, a six-figure salary with health and retirement benefits. What do you think? (laughs) Amen, yes. We all kind of know that's um, not how it works in the real world. We're all living in the real world. We're in the real world. But this morning, I want to remind us that there's a true life and a supreme world that's yet to come. And that's the real world look up and see the supreme reality I want you to know I picked that sermon title on Monday and it's true the supreme reality is looking ahead Paul when he was speaking to Timothy uh, in his first letter to him reminded him about that supreme reality command those who are rich that is truly life. So this morning, I want to remind myself and I want to remind us, I'd like to remind the whole world, to anyone listening this morning, that we need to look up with faith's eyes toward heaven and see the supreme reality that outclasses and outlasts anything that we have in this world. To hold on to that. In Acts chapter 6 and 7, we're going to meet Stephen, and Stephen is a character that suddenly appears on the scene. We were introduced to him in a few verses last week, and he disappears just about as fast. But mostly, I think God wants us to see that Stephen's faith in Jesus Christ is courage, and his graciousness was empowered by this clear vision, this clear understanding that there's something better and more supreme ahead. And it's all focused on Jesus Christ. So Stephen's life and his testimony was used by the Holy Spirit to move the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, away from its anchored, comfortable position. And that was beginning to happen in Jerusalem, I believe, and the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, wanted them to move out beyond the comfort zones their places, the great Jewish places of Jerusalem and the temple and all the rooted traditions of Judaism. Stephen was a Grecian Jew. He was a Hellenist. And God used him to move beyond where the 12 apostles were right then. Somebody else was being used by God. So Stephen's story is going to help us to move on with God and God the Spirit in 2021 and beyond. So, Look up and see the true reality, the supreme reality. Look up and see what God's doing this morning. Look up and see and understand that Jesus is Lord and heaven's glories move us to imitate Jesus Christ in all we do in this world. Let's look up together and help one another see the supreme reality so we don't give up. So we're filled with graciousness and courage. To live for Christ in our world. So let's look up and see what God's doing. Quick review. God's moving, and, and we've been looking in the book of Acts. In Acts chapters 1 through chapter 5, we see how God is at work. This book's entitled Acts of the Apostles, but it would be better entitled Acts of the Holy Spirit, because God the Spirit who Jesus and God the Father sent, God the Son and and Father sent the Spirit of God to empower and transform people, moving them from death to life. And that's what's happening. Women were empowered, men were empowered to be witnesses about Christ's forgiveness and the new life that he offers because of his death and burial and resurrection. And he is Lord of all, ascended into heaven. Jesus told them, wait Wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power of the Spirit. And the Spirit came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And they were witnesses in Jerusalem. And he said, you're going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, to everywhere you go. And that's the outline of the book of Acts. That's what happens. Christians in Jerusalem were being powerful witnesses. And the church was growing their efforts. We're doing amazing things. But they were kind of stuck. They were stuck around the temple where most of their miracles and most of their teachings happens. They gathered at the temple every day to pray. And that's all wonderful things. And all those things were not wrong, but all of it's about to change. Moving with God. Stephen is brought into the story by Luke because there's a change happening, a major change in the life of the church. For the next four chapters, Peter and the other apostles are not mentioned. It's not because they were washed up or God's unhappy with them or or something like that. They were vital and important, spirit-filled, and still leading the church. But God is showing us that Stephen and other people are going to be needed to move the gospel out to where it's needed. So, the church was going to be in transition and as you know life transitions are never easy but if we're going to be moving with God we need to see what he's doing and not be afraid to move with him so we look to Stephen's life this morning just for a few minutes to think about how God's moving in our world and not to be afraid but to move with God and let him transform us, and not to get stuck in our own Jerusalem, but to be ready to follow wherever the Spirit might lead us. Look up and see the supreme reality that motivated Stephen to be courageous and speak the truth of God, to give him the courage to even be willing to die because he knew there was something better to come, and that he was a part of it. So let's look up and see what was moving Stephen. And that's why Stephen gets so much press in the book of Acts. He's courageous. He knows the truth about Jesus, and it affected his life. It affected what he said. It made him willing to move with Christ. In verses um, 8 through, through 10, we read this. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs. And opposition rose from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen. I'll just stop reading there, but Stephen's just about to go into one of the longest sermons, well, the longest sermon recorded in the book of Acts. Why so much press for Stephen? Because this is an important changing point, turning point in the life of the church. He was filled with the spirit. He wasn't filled with wine or with pride or greed, but his heart was following the Lord fully And he did a lot of mighty miracles. He was at work for God. He was explaining God's word with great wisdom, confounding all those who would argue against him. And that upset them. The truth was spoken with pure motives and clear teaching. It was God at work. We read in verses 11 through 14 that if you can't beat him, what do you do? Now, You spread half truths about them. You put them down. Thou shalt not bear false witness. The Jews knew that, but when it comes to their power and what they were holding on to, the old traditions, they thought it was okay. They weren't ready to move with God. So they began to spread the lie that Stephen was a blasphemer, and they spread it everywhere that he's against Moses, and he's against God, and he's against the temple. Stephen didn't speak against Moses or the temple, but he was telling the truth about Jesus Christ, who is better than, more superior to Moses' law. He came to fulfill it, to complete it. He's the Messiah. So the new covenant is moving beyond the old covenant. It's established in Jesus' blood, not the blood of lambs and goats. He's the perfect sacrifice. He's the perfect prophet, the better prophet. He's the builder of a new temple, one put together of living stones, of people. It's going out beyond the Jewish nation. He was speaking the truth of the gospel that surpassed all the old traditions, and they were unwilling to let go of the old, to submit to the new, to submit to the true Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just note this too, just for all you who are watching this. This is a third trial now before the Sanhedrin. Peter and John were there after they did the miracle of healing the lame man, and they got warned not to speak anymore in Jesus' name. There was a second trial where all the apostles were arrested, but an angel came and, and released them from the prison. They went out and they were teaching in the temple, and they got dragged into the court again before the religious leadership, and they were flogged, they were beaten. Now Stephen's facing them. And this is a little bit different too, because now there were people, his own people, there were Hellenistic Jews in these other synagogues who were speaking against him and they brought him for trial. They were angry and upset with him. So it wasn't just the religious leaders. Now there's a movement among the other Jewish people that are against the moving against the Christians, and we know that Stephen, he's the first martyr. His blood was shed because of his faith in Christ. So from warning, to flogging, to stoning, to death. Just note real quick, too, there's so much to be said in this chapter, but in verse 15, it says he had the face of an angel. Would you say that about me this morning? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm not sure. We have this This idea that angels' faces were just wonderful and pure and sweet, that's how we use the term. But when you think about it, it's not that way, really. They're messengers from God's throne, holy angels are. And what they say is always true, but it's not always pleasant news. And rather terrifying sometimes, um, angels call us to radical behavior changes in our behavior because of the truth. There were angels who were, whose faces were there guarding the, uh, the gateway to back to the Garden of Eden with flaming swords. Not such a pretty sight. Their visit to Sodom came to warn and to bring judgment, to, to rescue. There was Balaam, if you remember that story, the angel speaking through the, the voice of a donkey, and, or the donkey speaking to him because of an angel there. It was scary. Uh, Stephen, is glowing with the holiness of an angel, with a message directly from the throne of God, from the Spirit of God, the truth to the religious leaders of Jerusalem and to all of us through the ages. And we need to hear it. Stephen gives a long apology, and that's not, I'm sorry, it's a defense, apologia, isn't A defense of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we don't have time today to look at the whole sermon, but If you read it the first time, you might wonder, where is Stephen going with this? I just want to note a few things. Look at verse 2 of chapter 7 in the book of Acts and his apologetic or his defense. And it really wasn't a defense, it was more a testimony to the truth about Jesus Christ. To this, he replied, Well, the question was, excuse me, are these charges true? Are you a blasphemer? Are you going against Moses and God and the temple? And look at what he says in verse two, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham. And we won't go into the rest of the section here, but you see how he pulls these Jewish leaders in and he connects with them. He uses good language. He's wise and he's smart. And there's some key statements. Look at verse nine of the chapter. He he goes through some history with Abraham. And in verse nine, he says, but because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, They sold him as a slave into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles, and he gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he made him ruler over all Egypt and all his palaces. That's one key statement. There was Joseph. He was a leader of all Jacob's sons, but they despised him. They rejected him, Look at uh, at verse 25 of Acts chapter 7. We read now he moves on to Moses a little bit later on in his sermon, and he says, but Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. You see, Moses had murdered an Egyptian who was was, uh, flogging and beating up and treating a fellow Jew terribly, and and, and Moses murdered that man and buried him. He thought, surely people will recognize that God has appointed me to be a leader, a rescuer, a deliverer, but no. It says that they rejected him. Verse 35, this is the same Moses whom they rejected with the words, who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel, though the angel through the angel who appeared to him in the bush, and he led them out of Egypt and did wonders and miraculous signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea for 40 years in the desert. And This is that Moses who told the Israelites, God will send you a prophet like me for your own people. And he was in the assembly and with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai, but our fathers, it says in verse 39, refused to obey him. Wow. That's where Stephen's going with this. Two statements about Jesus. He calls him a prophet who was to come. In verse 37 of chapter 7, he says, there's the righteous one who's to come, but you rejected him. You murdered him. He's speaking of Jesus, the Messiah. No wonder Stephen got in trouble. Here's an angel, someone with the face of a holy angel, glowing, so to speak, with God's love and grace, but he's speaking about God's wrath and the hatred toward hypocrisy and rejection. He was speaking the gospel of truth. What made him so courageous? Because he was looking up and he saw the supreme reality. God's truth leads to peace with God, but not always peace in this world. Christ's gospel is for all people, not just the Jews. And Stephen was saying, people in Jerusalem, you're short-sighted. You're so holding on to old, and something new has come. The Savior has come. The Messiah has come. There's a new program going on, and you need to get with it. In verse 54 of Acts chapter 7, we see how they responded to his message. After verse, let me read verses 51. You stiff-necked people, wow, with uncircumcised hearts and ears. What an offense. You are just like your fathers who always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. And when they heard this, verse 54, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They rushed at him and they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. When he fell on his knees, he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. January 6, 2021. It's a really easy date for me to remember. It's the 12th day of Christmas. It's King's Day. It's when on a church calendar, the church remembers that they celebrate the Magi coming, Gentiles coming to worship Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. It also happens to be our daughter's birthday. This week we saw our government institutions breached for a little while, and it is I was talking with Brad. It's a little unnerving, but that's understating it. Now, the U.S. Constitution is an amazing document. It aims toward amazing ideals for our nation and all people who are citizens of this land. But it's not the eternal word of God. Neither will it stand forever because it's based on human strength and ideals, some of them even rooted in God's truth. But without the power of God living in us and the Spirit of God guiding us, it too will crumble like every empire and nation unless Jesus comes back very soon. It will not rescue us we need to look up to the supreme reality and kingdom and work hard at living its truth and bringing its truth and its principles and its kindness and its grace to our world that is desperate for it, for our neighbors who do not know the supreme hope that is ahead. Stephen was looking up, and it's what motivated his courage, but it's also what motivated his grace, his Christ-likeness in his death. It is no accident that the words of Stephen and his demeanor when he was speaking to these men in this trial were just like Jesus. He spoke the truth and he, like Jesus, really bashed hypocrisy, false religion, setting itself up as a truth when it was falling short of God's glory. Wow, that's courage. But his convictions also drove him to be gracious. Here he was giving grace to show love and asking for forgiveness from his enemies, just like Jesus did on the cross. Isn't that something? It's no accident. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That was Jesus on the cross. And Stephen says, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. How could he do that? How could you and I ever become like that? To forgive our enemies who are stoning us? It's because he's looking up to supreme reality. Do you ever give up hope when you read stories about these holy saints in the Bible and say, I could never be like that. I'm too weak. I'm no good. I don't have enough faith. We just, we kind of give up. I could never have that courage. Now you think about it, I've never worried about real stones being thrown at me. But there are more subtle stones I am afraid of. Stones of criticism stones of opposition, stones of misunderstanding, my fear of people's opinions of me. If I live for Christ, declare Christ. But I want you to know something if you're feeling like that. I could never be like Stephen. It's not true. We can, as we grow and look up to Jesus Christ. Just Sets your sights on things above, the supreme reality that's there. In this moment in Acts, I want you to know, and, and Brother David and Will will be taking us further on in the weeks ahead in the book of Acts, there's going to be nothing but turmoil and distress in the lives of that church in Jerusalem for the weeks and months ahead. I don't know how long the time period is, totally. But God's people went out with boldness and grace because they were looking up to the supreme reality of Christ and his glory and who he is and his kingdom that was coming we can become people of courage and grace as we look up and see Jesus just like Stephen was same Lord same same spirit is living in us that was living in him in that early church know Jesus and follow Jesus seek him and he will come and save you and he will empower you for the times and moments you need to be courageous or gracious and kind and loving and forgiving as we seek him. It's no accident that Luke's a great writer guided by the Spirit of God. He mentions Saul who became Paul and it says in chapter 8 verse 1 and Saul was there giving approval to his death. That same Saul is going to be transformed. I think he was greatly affected by Stephen's testimony. Stephen was looking up and saw the supreme reality and I just want to point us to Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. See, here's a man, Saul, who was looking at the old and holding on to it and thinking Stephen was all wrong, but then his eyes were opened as Stephen died, not in vain, but as he looked up and saw what was truly reality, what was true living and true life, it affected Paul. And now, later on in his life, look what he says. The same thing. Look up. My life's in heaven. Your life is in heaven. There's a king there. There's a Messiah there. There's a savior there. And don't be afraid of death here because death just leads to true life. Wow. What changed Moses? In Exodus 33, he was praying to God. And he was asking God, don't send us into the promised land unless you go with us. Lord, show me your glory. It wasn't too long before that. He was the one standing by a burning bush and saying, Lord, I really don't want to do what you're telling me. (laughs) Send somebody else. You know, Lord, here I am. Send my sister. It's one of those things. What changed him? He got a glimpse and he began to look the supreme reality of God's glory and who he was serving. And it moved him to be the deliverer God called him to be in God's timing. What changed Hannah? Remember Hannah in 1 Samuel? That destitute woman, distraught because she was childless and that meant so much? Well, it still does mean a lot to many people, but it was like God was cursing her and then in 1st Samuel 27 and the first couple of verses of chapter 2 of 1st Samuel, we read this great psalm of praise and just declaring how solid and good and, and gracious and kind God was to her and how those who look to him will be raised up. What changed her? She got an understanding when she was praying in a temple and pouring her heart out for a son. When God answered that prayer, she realized That there was something better. She saw the true supreme reality. What if someone like Stephen, filled with the spirit and glowing with the face of an angel, came to our ministry leaders teams, ministry teams, and told us we were doing things wrong? that things that were near and dear to us were way off. How would we respond? (laughs) That this building was holding us back from what God really wanted us to do. God was using Stephen to move not only the church but other people in Jerusalem to tell them the truth, to move beyond what they thought was important to what God was thought was important now hear me I'm not saying that we should sell this building and meet in a picnic pavilion okay (laughs) I'm not saying that what we're doing here is all wrong and our programs are just off and God's not blessing us or whatever I'm just saying Let's be sure we're looking at what's most important, the true reality, the supreme reality, what's most important, and be sure we're moving with God the way Stephen did because he saw the supreme reality, the supreme Lord and Savior. See the glories of heaven that never perish, spoil, or fade, And let that reality fill you and me with courage and with grace and kindness to speak the truth and love. A pandemic has had a domino effect economically on us, socially on us. Suddenly death is in front of us and we can't avoid it quite as easily and entertain ourselves the way we did before to avoid thinking about it because it's always in the news, it's always before us. The mask remind us, oh yeah, there's something out there. The political upheaval this week is unnerving for us all and what it should do, followers of Jesus, is help us to help one another. Make us help one another to look at the supreme glories of Jesus Christ and his truth and his presence. And that's what Stephen's story does for me, and I hope it does for you. Draw near to Jesus. Receive his life and his strength and his courage and grace. I want to close with this thought from the Apostle Paul from his letter to the Ephesians. Here's what he says. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray also that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That is a power that is working, that was working in his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realm. Whisper that prayer for yourself this week. Lord, open my eyes to see the glories that are ahead. Whisper that prayer for me and your friends and your family and those who don't know Christ yet that you know and your friends with. Pray to God that their eyes would be open to see the supreme reality. Let's pray together. Father in God, Spirit of God, open up my eyes, our eyes. Let us see the supreme glories. Of you are God your mighty power your sovereign rule your holiness your goodness your forgiveness your mercy fill us with a picture of that true supreme reality let it affect us greatly this morning we ask you fill us with these visions of glory so we have more courage and more grace and kindness and mercy in how we live and how we speak and what we do make us more like Jesus we pray And Lord, we ask you to do this all for your glory, all for the name of Christ, our Savior, our Lord, the coming King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.